back in the fur shed. This is the Trapping Today podcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for tuning in. Great to have you here. Podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. If you're getting started trapping and you need supplies, or if you've been ordering your supplies elsewhere and you want to try somebody new, or you just want to support the podcast, um, go say hi to the Cots Bros. That's K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. And check them out. They have great supplies, service, fast shipping. uh, Excellent place to do business and people to do business with. Podcast is also sponsored by Fur Harvesters Auction Incorporated. Where the world comes to buy wild fur. This auction house is run by trappers for trappers. And uh, they put up a good quality group, a bunch of fur at uh, several auctions that they hold throughout the course of the fur selling season and these guys work real hard to get the best prices for our fur that's very important in a tough fur market and uh, the guys at fur harvesters will work to find buyers who are looking for uh, fur that we wild fur producers send to them so you can learn more at furharvesters.com Find a list of locations where you can send your fur, depots, and pickup areas, and uh, learn about upcoming auctions and look at past auction results. Thanks, Fur Harvesters. Check them out, www.furharvesters.com. Now let's get into tonight's episode. This was a recording from Neil Olson's Trappers Weekend. Cole Porter and I uh, sit down uh, around our campsite on uh, Thursday night, uh, the first day we showed up there, and we just had a a conversation, the first chance that Cole and I have had to sit down and just chat, talk trapping for quite a while. So um, it was a lot of fun. We talked about uh, getting supplies at conventions, uh, buying used traps, uh, talking with non-trappers, trapping bumper stickers, our plans for the upcoming season, trapping with and around competition. Uh, We went into uh, a Teachers of the Night trapping DVD some talk about my trapping lure and other lures, uh, the new bear trap, the critter done, uh, and uh, some books and a bunch of other things. We just kind of did a, a um, open-ended conversation about trapping. So hope you enjoy. There's a couple more of these coming from, from that Trapper's Weekend. And um, a great chance to, to meet a bunch of people, talk with trappers, get caught up, and get ready for the season. And with that, let's get into the episode. All right, we're recording. Cole Porter, what's going on? All things are going good. Just got down here to New England Trappers Weekend. Down here at Neil Olson's in Bethel, Maine. Glad to be back down here. Yeah, the sun has set long ago. It is dark. The bugs are fighting a little bit. People are getting a little bit rowdy here and there. There's a golf court racing across the field. Probably Neil. <laughs> I think so. He's at top speed. Neil riding around with Jason Vance maybe. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of campers. You can see just a little bit. See beautiful mountains off in the distance. And um, Me and Cole have each rolled in separately here this afternoon and, and uh, there's quite a few people for a Thursday. Yeah. There, is, there are quite a few people with nice weather. Not to mention, it's a, it's a great spot for it. So. so what do you think going in? What do you, What's your, your thoughts for the weekend? Well, 
excited for the demos. And uh, probably gonna try to pick up a couple trapping supplies too while I'm at it. Yeah. You got anything? What's it, what's on your list? Some more trapping wire. Oh, wire! I wire. always get wire. Gonna have to get some wire. Possibly some trap dye, and probably a couple three use three thirties. Maybe some some uh, number four jumps. Yep. Yep. Couple Tr of them maybe. Trouble is, you might have a hard time finding deals on them this year. Might. Yep. But if you're willing to pay, there's a few around. There's a bunch of 330s, jeez. I expect there'll be, be quite a few 330s for sale. But if you don't know Cole, he likes to buy traps cheap. I like to buy them real cheap, yeah. <laughs> yep. Cheaper than what you'd normally see, probably. <laughs> especially at a convention. But so far, it's worked out pretty good for me here. Yeah. I usually walk away with a few decent traps. It's still... He gets on Facebook and watches as soon as the ads go up. He's right on top of it. Yep. So. And it's... uh. Can definitely work but you gotta be quick i see a whole pile of them uh here right now and i i think 12 dollars is about the price for the used 330s yeah um, which is all right but i've been trying to sell them on on uh, ebay selling quite a few traps used traps that i bought and they're they're selling kind of slow right now so part of it's because it's august but part of it is the low fur prices finally starting to catch up with yeah, uh, you know, there's more supply on the market than there is demand, so things are selling just a little bit slower. So, guy, I'm not, I'm not really looking for much for traps. Yeah, I actually just had a guy today in the store. He's picking up some some food to come down here with, and had a guy walk up behind me, and he said, "Geez, what are you up to?" I told him where I was going. He said, "Geez, I just sold a bunch of one tens and one twenties no on a yard sale." He said, two bucks a piece." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, geez, yeah." Nice. That yeah. was in uh, was in Sherman. Yeah, yeah, he said some of them are still in the box from the '80s. Jeez. New. Yeah. Isn't it nice to be in a small town where you can just walk in and talk trapping and no one oh yeah like, looks at you weird. Yep. And the uh, the cashier actually uh, she uh, she traps for Martin Fisher sometimes, and That's I'll awesome. stop in and buy some food in the fall, and we'll get talking about trapping and how it used to be before the new laws and stuff like that. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, I threw on the, the old hitch receiver. I don't know, did you look back at my Jeep yet? Oh, I haven't looked at it, I see what it is. <laughs> In the dark here, I can see the outline yeah. of it. Yeah, that was John Shuk at Seven Oaks Trapping Supplies. He's Trapper John on uh, Trapper Man. When I had my fur shed burned down, um, I had all those burned traps that were pretty much useless. I still have a bunch of them. I, I was able to sell some for decorative, but John offered, he said, you know, you send me a number of those and I'll make you uh, a hitch receiver he he does a bunch of them and he sells them on his website so I did I sent him a couple boxes of traps and he sent me one of those actually had one made up for my trapping mentor too nice so yeah they're pretty cool and, and it was kind of fun because he you know if we're driving most of this you're driving through rural Maine and you know there's parts of a little bit of city that you drive through to get here but for the most part you're Kind of riding around, you know, most of the people that look at that hitch receiver are looking at thinking, Yeah, that's pretty cool. That guy's a yep. trapper. Yeah, it's like me with my trapping related sticker right on my car. What do you got there? I got an MGA sticker yeah. on the other side. Yeah. When people pass me, they can see it. Yeah, it is on the other side, I think. Yeah, I remember uh, Buster Carter, who's a wildlife biologist there in Enfield, and he, uh, he used to drive a car kind of like that. He, 
he drove like three hours. Oh, like, really? He, he drove from Ellsworth to Enfield. Wow. Every, see, every see, I think I drive day. a long ways. and Oh, it was I'm, terrible. I'm 60 miles each way. <laughs> and Buster, he never trapped. He was not a trapper, but he was a wildlife biologist, and he was very supportive of trapping. Yep. And he had that MTA sticker, Main Trapper Association sticker on the car all the time. And uh, he said, you know, you get a lot of questions, but you also get a lot of opportunities to talk to people about you know, yep. what trapping is. I thought about today, I was thinking, you know, I was driving through Bangor in a lot of traffic and stuff. I was thinking, I probably ought to have some sort of, I, I wouldn't put it on my wife's Jeep. Yeah. Some sort of sticker about trapping. I thought, what would be, what do you think would be a good trapping sticker? Oh, geez. I, I'll tell you the one. Uh, what are you thinking of? Deep, uh, well, you could go. You could go the Newt Sterling route. Back when, when I was here about twenty years ago, it was maybe eighteen years ago. Uh, Newt, Newt was selling these bumper stickers. Uh, Snareone.com, yep. Newt Sterling's website. And he had these orange bumper stickers, and it had a little guy who just looked just like Newt, big beard. And he had a big shotgun in his hand. And he said, <laughs> if an animal rights activist is being mauled by a bear, would you stop it or let nature take its course? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good one. No, I wouldn't go that route myself. But it's not too far at right? the same yeah, time. That's a, a good one, too. Um, I actually saw a guy with a t-shirt here earlier tonight when we just took a walk and said, this family partially supported by the fur industry. That I thought that was pretty not cool. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, one of the things I thought would be a cool bumper sticker would be like, trapping today, yes, we still trap, and yes, it's humane. Yep. Oh, that'd be good. You sure. should definitely get some, I think you should get some merchandise going. There's a guy that that made me some bumper stickers a while back, I remember. remember? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Maybe he could look into that. Yeah, that wouldn't yeah. be too hard, but, you know... Yeah, you could definitely get a few going. Something like that. Yeah, I thought about that. Just just be kind of cool to not not get in people's face or anything, but just kind of, you know, let people know what's going on a little bit. Because I used to always assume that people just heard about trapping and thought you were evil, you know, bad person for it. But that that's not always the case. Yeah. No, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm not afraid to say it in front of people at all or anything like that yeah you yeah know. i've changed a lot in that sense too and i think you know it depends on where you're at too you know back when i was going to school and in, in the area where there's lots of just kind of city and a lot of people i was a little more hesitant um, just because it made for some awkward conversations but um, where we're at in rural maine it, it's uh it's pretty good. Well, usually people are ask questions about it, and they're, they're interested, even if they don't, have never done it before. Yeah. There's a lot of the time, even, there's not as many trappers anymore in northern Maine, so. No, there isn't. And you know what? The I remember last year I was talking to Neil a little bit, and he said, I said, geez, Neil, there's a lot of people going through the door, and he was just kind of a little bit about, you know, well, there's not a lot of people trapping anymore, and, and per prices are down and everything. I'm like, well, geez, there's 20, how many people come here? There's got to be at least 2,000. He said, yeah, about 2,500. But he said, you know, a lot of them aren't trappers. And, and we've seen that. No, we, a lot of people that we talked to here say, you know, I trapped when I was a kid. Or, 
I used to trap, and they, they don't trap much. They're still, you know, they're, they're that type of person. They fit in well. Um, right, They have yeah. the same mindset, same viewpoints, are very similar to most people here, but they just... Yeah, we all speak the same language. Yeah. That's the cool part about it. You come in here, and everybody that's here is like-minded. Yeah. You can strike up a conversation and, and uh, get along pretty well with just about anybody. Yeah. There's not many places where you see a couple thousand people, and there's no fights, and I mean... Everyone gets along here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. But you, I'll tell you what. Tomorrow you get under that demo tent. That's where the trapping's going to be taking place. Yes, the real hardcore trappers. That's where people will be. If they're really into it, they'll be sitting listening. And there'll be some guys doing demos that are definitely into it. Yeah. So you're going to you might pick up some used traps, if possibly. Yeah, I might pick up a few. I. I'd like to, I really hope to do a little bit more under ice beaver trapping this, uh, this winter. I didn't, uh, I didn't do it at all. I didn't trap any beaver until spring, and even then I only trapped a few, but, um, I moved last winter, so I had a lot going on. I hope, I hope I can, uh, try to get out more this coming winter, and hopefully the conditions are right. It's hard, because there's a lot of, uh, timber harvesting that goes on around the area where I trap for beer and it's hard because it, they're plowing roads and yeah. ideally I can go and do the whole thing by snowmobile but if the road's plowed then I'm not supposed to be on it yeah. and that it makes it hard because that, that's part of the reason why I didn't get out last winter is a couple of the beaver colonies that I knew were active and they, I knew exactly how I was going to set them up I ended up not being able to get to them all winter had the roads plowed so that's probably a good I thing yeah i could have done it but it would have been nighttime or yeah i think it's a good thing for all trappers like you almost have to have two to three times the amount of area scouted mm -hmm. that you're act then you're actually going to trap because that stuff happens all the time right yeah. you have say you have three four lodges scouted and all of a sudden they're, they're in the timber companies that they make these decisions on a week-to-week -week basis. Definitely. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, we're going to be going in there to get some wood because the market for hardwood or the market for softwood has gone up. Yep. And they plow, they get a dozer in there, they open up the road, they're plowing in there, they're trucking, logging, and, and running trucks. So, like, it, you almost have to have 10 or 12 lodges scouted out oh, if you're going to sure. track three or four. And then a few of the ones that I had scouted out um, ended up being trapped by by another trapper in the fall and I ran into them while I was Martin trapping in there and talked to them quick and they were just trapping some beaver and they they were actually trapping a few beaver every year they have them tanned and they hoop them okay and they sell them to their bear clients nice in the fall nice. so they get 150 to 200 for those to their bear clients and it's kind of neat for them to be able to you know they have a way to sell them yep. those guys want something to take home a lot, you know, and yep. that's something for them to take. It's a good idea. A lot, a lot more yep. labor involved. I feel like I think the bear clients probably think it's kind of like an extra tip buying it and stuff. So I think they're sure. able to sell a fair amount of them to their clients. They're not going to do a couple hundred of those. No, they, they might do five to ten a year, you know, but at least they're able to sell some fur in a different way. Yeah, and they have a way to move a few of them. Right. And they're not someone that's yeah, going to catch too much for if you had a whole bunch of areas nope. scouted. And they're only trapping stuff 
that they can access from roads. Yeah. You know, they're they're walking in no more than 30, 40 yards to put sets in. Yeah. Yeah, I ran into a guy that at my competition, that'll be my competition this fall. <laughs> mm-hmm. And a uh, real nice guy. He's got, he sells, uh, he sells a bunch of supplies and lure and stretchers and stuff. And, um, I've run into him before, but see, I never, I haven't coyote trapped for quite a while. And I'm starting to get into it again, just a little bit. I'm, you know, I'm going to do some coyote this fall for the first time in, in quite a long time. And uh, he he traps. He comes up from downstate, and he's got a camp in my town. And so he traps in that area. And actually, turns out I was you know looking at getting permissions, and and I've got a couple lined up. Uh, primarily, you know, a lot of it is well, well you grab a, a big landowner or two, and you've got a lot there. And then, like, people that I've trapped beavers for. Yep. You know, that's pr- almost guaranteed. If you've trapped beavers and done well and they're happy, you can you can get on their trapped kayaks. Um, but there's a big farmer up there that's that has a bunch of land right around me, and, and I hear coyotes there all the time. It's almost a guarantee. And uh, he's got, quote-unquote, exclusive permission to trap that. So um, I told him, you know, where I've been hearing the coyotes, uh, this past the past couple of months and and uh, wish him well you know he says he catches you know he does pretty well in that area and and it's just a case where you know what there's not a lot of us up there uh, small trapping community I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna try I probably could get permission on there but it's just not worth it and uh, um, he's he does a good job there he traps he catches quite a few fox and coyotes in that area so you know what I'm gonna drive a few miles down the road and I'm gonna set and some other ground yeah i mean it's like me i'm i think there may be that those two other guys that trap together i think they're the only other ones trapping that i know of in that whole township that i was trapping in last fall so i definitely try not to if i think that they're going to be if they're trapping in the fever flowage i'm not going to put any traps in that one just because yeah i think that they're hopefully respecting me too because i'm not seeing their traps around mine so yeah so that that's an interesting thing uh, to think about when you're when you're trapping with other people and i kind of i got this impression here talking to someone today i feel like it's always better to give somebody the benefit of the doubt until you know otherwise like this guy was telling me um you know i ran into this guy he was going on my line and I was setting flagging out on the road, and every time I'd have my flagging, he'd see my flag, he'd go 50 yards, or 50 feet, and pass my flagging, and set a trap, every spot. And he ran into the guy, and confronted him, and he had a big fight, and everything, and you know, just not a good situation. He's basically the guy was trying to screw me over. And I, I feel like that may have been the case, may not have been the case, but, Sometimes when we're trapping and we get a little territorial and we're getting the groove and we got our spot set up and then someone shows up, the immediate reaction is, oh, this guy's on my spot. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're going to get angry. Yeah. And you're going to get defensive. And it's a little, it can be difficult at times, but I think maybe at first just give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, maybe he saw your flags and he just wanted to get away from you and he felt like he was respecting it even though yep. you felt like he wasn't. You know, just... Yeah, it's hard because you, you run into other users too. 
deer hunters, stuff like that. I was doing a check this past fall and I ended up having to drive right past a couple guys that were sitting on a road that deer were crossing deer hunting. You know, they were sitting right there. And you legally had to check your traps. I had to check my check traps. It was on the last day I could do it. And I actually stopped and told one of the old guys that was sitting there on a bucket. I told him, Booking I have a trap right down there. I had, I had to check it today. You know, I'm sorry I drove through while you're deer hunting. And you know what? Those guys never walked into my trap, and I told them right where it was. There yep. was snow on the ground. They could have taken it. They never even it. walked in and looked at it. So yep. They were nice about yep. it. Yeah, they were good about it. So Yeah. Yeah, communication is probably the big key. Just give some of the benefit of the doubt at first. You know, tell them, look, here's the deal. I, You know, we're trapping close together or whatever. And I feel like maybe we can make this work a little easier, a little better than it is right now, or something to that effect. Um, and then, you know what, if at that point you give someone the benefit of the doubt and then things don't change or things get worse, then, then you know that what you're dealing with. Yeah. And, and some people confront others. Uh, personally, I prefer to just get out and go, oh, yeah, someone, someone's having a good time over there. Oh, oh they're <laughs> yelling all over now. Sounds like a bunch <laughs> of coyotes in the field. <laughs> Should have brought my fox bro. Should have really let them off. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so what else are you looking for you, you're gonna maybe get some used traps oh I'm probably gonna get a couple stretchers too if I can find some used ones yeah. like some mar a couple martin stretchers and maybe a couple fisher stretchers I don't need many but a couple yeah. I need to have them yeah I could could try to make my own but I'll probably just buy them yeah if you're like anything like me you don't want to try to make them well, I've made a, I made a couple weasel stretchers for, and you know, it's got me by with those, and they've worked well. And uh, I made one fisher stretcher that I haven't had the chance to use yet. But, um, yeah, I have a planer and stuff. I could make them, but it's, uh, it's easier just to buy them for sure. Oh, and they're just so the right size. Even the ones wood. I bought two brand new coyote stretchers today. I paid like nine dollars a piece for them. I mean. They're big stretchers. Yeah, there's a lot of labor involved. Oh, in definitely. I was, just, to me, that's like a no-brainer. You know. Yep. Just, just buy it. So, yeah, that's what I picked up. I picked up. Uh, Neil has a new book. It's called "My Lifestyle Is My Pay." I think that's the title of it. Um, it sounds pretty much like the way he's lived his life. You know, and, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to round up Neil for an interview this weekend. I, I think probably not because he's just about every two minutes he's got someone trying to talk to him. <laughs> it's a pretty busy, pretty busy, uh, pretty busy weekend for him. But um, I'm I'm excited to read that book and and uh, chat more with him about trapping. He said that this was the first time since like '87 like 1987, that he hasn't caught 200 beavers. Yep. And he had a hip surgery and uh, getting old, slowing down for sure. But it's a pretty impressive streak. Uh, more than 200 beavers a year, every year, in the last 30 plus years. It is very impressive to keep that up every year. A lot of, a lot of work. He's trapped a lot in his lifetime for sure. Jeez, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable! I can't yeah. wait to hear, can't wait to see uh, Billy Thompson's demo about when him and Neil caught 
what was it? Like 167 maybe? 167 or 168. Yeah, something like or that. Or 78 beavers in seven days? I think it was two. It's in my back pocket. It might be two weeks. I could probably it might have been a week though. Well, you, yeah. you fill the air here for a minute. Yeah, I'll yeah. Find it. I'm not sure. I was looking at that earlier and I... Uh, Okay, um, Billy Bog Thompson shows how he and Neil caught 178 beavers okay. in one week. 178 <laughs> in a week. Jeez. So, yeah, I know how he did it because I've, I've, uh, I've talked with Billy. I've rode around on those lines. Yep. And uh, that spring beaver season was pretty incredible. And uh, the that way, was in my backyard. Yep. And the way that I think he's going to show how they did it until like similar is how I caught a couple this spring pretty yep me too I never yep. would have even I was without hearing about it I wouldn't have even thought how simple some things are <laughs> it's really bad actually it's a, to it, not be able to think of some of these things off the top almost, of your head doesn't it feel like you're cheating though it does like you work so hard for them in the winter time and then the ice goes out and you put a little caster in the little slide and stick yeah. with TS-85 there and you get a beaver the next yep. day. Like, and then you do it, like, you can do it like three, four days in a row. You get a beaver almost every day. Yeah. I think next spring I'm going to run a few trail cameras on them with a uh, video on. Yeah. And try to get a few videos and put together like oh, a three, good. a two or three minute video thing of it. That'd be really neat. Just to see how the beaver worked the set. And, well, I know they come, they're going up the brook, they smell the caster and they go right to it. Yeah, I already know that's how it's going to go. So. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of an instinctual yeah. drive there. Yeah, oh, definitely. They're they're going up through there probably partially just to look for comp competition moving in anyways. Exactly. That time of that the year. Time of year. Yep. They're setting up territories that time of year. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, while you're on that topic, uh, I just watched. The last couple nights I got, I got this DVD, uh, Teachers of the Night coyote uh, flat set video it's uh, Clint Locklear's night vision footage oh it's from quite a while back but uh, I've been watching it with my boys they think it's kind of cool <laughs> <laughs> age three and age six uh, and, and so we just kind of like you're watching and there's nothing there just the, the camera and the set and then all of a sudden uh, the corner of the screen pops a coyote and <laughs> you just kind of watch it work the set yeah that, that's been interesting to watch so it's it got me thinking a little bit more that was kind of before the modern technology of trail cameras has yep. advanced where it is so I, I think that could be done again by somebody maybe Clint, maybe somebody else and and you could learn a lot more Yeah. at the time the camera was shining light and it was like it was obvious that the coyotes knew the camera was there yep. Yeah. Um, but but that being said, if you if you kind of set that aside, it still is interesting to see how the how they work the set, yeah, and, and how they don't they're not going straight line right to the set. Yeah, it's you interesting know. how you know how they how they work it because it really might give you some some ideas on how to change a couple things up. Yeah, and I haven't finished that video yet. But the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like the the real take-home point is don't just make the, that one set yeah, you make a set then make a set for animals that are approaching that set yep stop them coons skunks whatever you stop yeah. them right in their tracks and catch them before they get mess up your set that would catch the coyote 
yeah and in the coyotes you'll make that set and sometimes that coyote will spend the whole its whole entire time at that set walking around the back yep around the back around the back or it'll just kind of circle it isn't why don't you get him while he's circling definitely yeah you know there, there was one video there where like for five minutes straight in on footage but this was like probably a couple of hours the coyote kept approaching from the same area in this one trail and it just kept taking this one trail and it would go through this trail it was like 10 feet from the set and it would just walk right past it and it would go out of sight and it would circle back and it would go right the same exact yep. place it had gone before i'm kind of interested about how it would work using blind sets for coyotes up your way in places where you think you might see them maybe even using trail cameras a little bit early on to kind of see a little subtle trail that they were walk through and put a yeah put a just put a trap in that trail and you never know i think you could i i, I just saw something on that the other day and i can't remember where it was probably on facebook i had to guess on a trapping page something about a guy someone talking about that yeah i think you think blind sets initially you think well you know pretty low percentage you're just getting whatever's going to go through there but if you if you use a blind set in conjunction with a flat set or a dirt hole set yeah you have a major attractor there and that would and that should increase the odds of that blind set yeah connecting by quite a bit i will say last last fall i had a I had a camera out on a apple tree and there was a bunch of apples under the tree and i had it out for deer but i had a pair of coyotes come through at least four times together at night and they walked <laughs> the same spot they hung out by those apples there like four different nights in the through the course of it would have been the last couple weeks of october and first couple weeks of november right during the time people would have been trapping there and uh those it's interesting how they kept coming back to the same spot and it was on a it was a big um line of trees and an old rock wall that came out into a huge field and it yep. went about 150 200 yards out into that big field and that apple tree was right out on the end of it and i think they were just you know working along the we're walking walking along that brushed up rock wall I wonder if you if you could see where they were crossing that rock wall or something to pop over to the other side or around the end of it. Sure. You could definitely maybe slip in a blind set. Yep. I mean, it might get a coon in it, too, before the coyote. Make a couple sets, maybe. Yep. You could definitely get something there. You could even get a double. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing what we can learn from trail cameras. And the new ones, um, it's actually becoming pretty affordable to buy ones that run off cell phone and come right to you. Yeah, so. did, did you listen to Vince um, from Washington? I did, yep. Yeah, that, that was pretty neat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. those guys are kind of forced to, into it yeah. in a lot of ways. That was, that, that'll that no doubt get cheaper and cheaper. And yeah, and it already, um, it already is. Um, one brand, I think it's around $10 a month on limited photos, so. Nice. That's, uh, I know that's a lot for each camera. It adds up quick, but. If you just had to wanted to run a couple of them, it's definitely affordable to do it. Yeah. So what else are you looking for? Oh, I might buy a bottle bottle or two of lore. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I might. I might. Uh, what? Oh, tell me, tell the people here the story about oh, the fisher. Okay. So, <laughs> Speaking is, of lore, uh, this is good for uh, the trapping today. Long distance call lore. <laughs> um, I had some of it in the back of my. Uh, 
I have an avalanche, Chevy avalanche, and I had some of it in the back of it. I had it parked, um, and uh, I uh, went. Is that to, your house, right? Yeah, is that a house? And I went and um, went to go get in my truck. It snowed, and there was probably five or six inches on the ground. And I went to went over to it, and uh, there were fisher tracks. Came across the road. Ran right up Someone, to the truck. Someone's howling like a coyote. <laughs> yeah, there's four people making noise. <laughs> there's people pulling in like oh, it's every pretty, few minutes. There's here. a good amount of people. They definitely... Uh, we get shined up by headlights yeah. every couple minutes and they see that we're camped out here and they go find another spot. Yeah. Anyway, the Fisher, he came right up and he went right to the back uh, quarter panel of that <laughs> truck. And he stopped. And then he, you know, he left. But he, he went directly to it. And there was... Uh, I had my bucket in the back of that, and I had a tonneau cover on it too. It was closed up. The whole back end of that truck was closed up, and he still smelled it. Came directly to it from the woods, and maybe covered 50 yards of open ground before he got to the back of it. Before he turned off and went the other way, and then I had one come up across the back of my lawn, and he came within within five yards of the back of my house. I have woodshed hooked to my house. Same thing. I had trapping lure in that. So he <laughs> definitely some fisher around. It's funny how they pop up in places you don't expect. Yeah, no doubt. And notice it by the tracks later on. Yeah. yeah. So you're gonna look for some lure. Yeah, I'll probably get some lure. I'm probably gonna get some some caster lure. I mean, I have a couple of casters I've saved, kind of use if I need it. Yeah, frozen, but. Um, I, I think I'm pretty well stocked up on lure, but there's a guy, remember the guy from that trapped up in Wyoming? Yep. Last year. I'm, if he, I don't know uh, if he's even going to be here. I don't know. Hopefully. Hopefully he is. It, I might buy, I'll buy a bottle of I'm going to buy a bottle from him. Just, it, I don't need lure, but I just like talking to that guy. And he caught like a hundred something. I, I expect that lure um, will, will help. I think it has... It might not be. I don't know if it's real. It wasn't real. It wasn't it was skunky, skunky at all. No, it was very gland, caster heavy. Caster and um, glands. He's probably losing money. On <laughs> yeah, the probably. Price of caster. Because I don't but think he was more than. He's twenty bucks. Twenty bucks for, for four. four ounces. Yeah, it's pretty. It's but, better reason. Yeah, I used that. I used that this fall, and, and uh, the guy that was next to him there, I used his. His was heavy to mink mink glands. Yep. Um, and and you know, I mean. I didn't notice a huge difference between them, but the number of martin that I caught and fishery I caught, really, you can't, you've got to have a couple hundred animals to even have any type of statistical, definitely, you know, yeah. so I, I didn't, I, I feel as though that was as effective as anything I could put in a box, and the cool thing about it was the guy when we were talking uh, Eric had told me about him, and, and he said, "You got to talk to this guy. He's, I think he's from New York. And who knows? Maybe someday we'll be able to interview him or something." But he he just drives out to Wyoming to trap Martin in the wintertime, just randomly for like yep. a month, and he doesn't talk to anybody. He doesn't say anything. You're not going to find him on Facebook or website or anything. And he, kind of looks around makes sure no one's looking he shows me this picture of like 150 martin yeah, i remember I seeing that like, holy <laughs> crap so that so was awesome then we get to talking you know and talking about and and i'm like so i was kind of testing him out to see you know because a lot of these a lot of lure makers kind of tend to get towards 
little bit of the BS artist type of mentality. And I talked about this the last episode I did. Um, the, the thing that's frustrated me the most about lure making is people buy your lure if you tell them that this is the best lure in the world and this is the only thing that's going to catch the animals you're after and it's way better than any other lure and if you use this lure you're going to be successful because that's marketing right yeah and i can't do that i have such a hard time doing that i just <laughs> what it is about i just i feel like a snake oil salesman telling somebody you know i i know i have a good lure i know yeah. it works yeah. but beyond that i i just it doesn't it just doesn't it just feels weird to me so i was testing around and i said so what's the best lure that you, you found for martin trapping and uh he gave me the exact answer that i, I was hoping he looked at me he said to be honest with you the best lure for martin trapping is no lure he said i i get him just as well off of just a chunk of beaver meat yep. <laughs> he said i'm making lure because i own him I need to make a living. Yeah. <laughs> I need to pay the gas and make a few bucks. Especially if there's a lot of martin in the area yeah. where you're trapping. Like, yeah. for us, they might be spread out, and that's why we're putting out that skunk. We're really trying to exactly. hopefully be just downwind of where we think they, they might no, travel, and we're going to yeah. send that scent way yes. over into there. They have no fisher there, too, by the way. Yeah. And they have a lot of martin. This was actually, um, you guys know Tom Krause. Uh, pretty famous guy out there martin trapper and trapper in general and uh, he he actually ran into tom at one point when he was trapping out there but uh, a lot of, a lot of martin in this area so uh, you know basically just like i heard that and i was like i'll take a bottle you know i just yep. it's something it's it's beaver caster there's a yep. you know there's a few other things like, in there and it it'll attract it fur will. bears Definitely. it'll attract predators yeah Period. And they can smell a lot better. It's hard to think about how well animals can smell. I always have a hard time thinking about that, especially with like, you know, I, it's always bear, bear baiting that I think about it. I'm like, geez, talk about how many more times better a bear can smell than a bloodhound or something like that. It's like if, if that bear can smell it, it's just if it wants to come to it or not. Yeah. I mean, so... It's interesting to think about maybe they can smell just caster a long ways away yeah compared to we're well, thinking skunk because it's really strong to us yeah no doubt it's stronger to them as well yes um, it's, it, it's just a question of whether it's necessary or not yeah and uh, we can go into the whole conversation about skunk and whether it's overused or not and, yeah. and that's been running through my mind quite a bit lately as well yeah um, that's yeah, I don't smell skunk very often when I'm walking through the woods, so... Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of pretty. Skunk's everywhere. The, yeah. moon, the moon just Across rose the over hill. the top of the mountains. That, that's pretty cool. It Everything is. just got light all of a sudden. Yeah, we're definitely right into the, around the full moon right now. That's pretty awesome. That right. moon just in the past 30 seconds just popped right over that mountain. Yep. It's going to oh. brighten it up out here in the next couple hours, too. It's going to get these coyote howlers pretty... Crazy. <laughs> we might have a hard time falling asleep here, Cole. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> I'm down here tonight because I didn't want to miss any demos in the morning, and I said, "Yeah, I have a you know three and a half, four hour drive. I'm not going to be here by 7:30 if I, you know." So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was Red O'Hearn at nine o'clock. That's that's what I came up tonight today for. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's going to be a good day. Yeah, I think they're starting off with that uh, that new bear snare set up. 
first yeah. thing. So I'm gonna yeah. make sure I'm up for that. Hopefully. That's something. Yeah, Check maybe you should talk about that because I I really don't get into the bear trapping much. I I, I should. I would like to, but it, the the way our bear season works for me, it's just such a busy time of year that I I have not baited a bear or uh, trapped a bear. Uh, but you you get into it. Yeah, I think I have uh, baited bear for the last seven or seven or eight years now. Um, every year. And I think this year is actually looking to be, right now so far, it's looking like it might be a little bit slow. Um, a lot of bait sites people have aren't being hit real quick. Um, a lot of berries in the woods this year, so it's going to impact it. The barrel eventually um, have interest, show more interest in the bait for sure. As berries dry up and there's a little bit of a gap between, you know, raspberries and blackberries and... Yeah. No, stuff like that and beech nuts are looking pretty heavy in Maine this year as well so there's our coyote yeah so the the trapping thing I've only actually set a snare for bear one year and I I ran it for probably two weeks and it's hard because you have to go in and check it every day of course and you can only run one snare at a time so that makes it hard and um, we do have fair amount of restrictions on that they go along oh and it's changed a lot even this year it's going to be a bunch of new ones yeah yeah things like what types of snare you can use um a lot of it's centered around a lot of the restrictions are centered around the the links that we have in maine that are protected so because of that and the possibility of catching a links they've had to make laws so the links won't be caught you know, you start out with having to have a stop on your, on your, um, on your yeah, snare. Which is pretty simple. That's simple. That's not, not, that doesn't hinder anyone really. And most people have that stop set out further back than that anyways. Because yeah, because they want to, don't want to catch a little it's bear. probably anyway. a, yeah, right. I'm not sure, but a hundred or less pound bear. Very, a pretty small bear could be caught if you, um, you could possibly even catch a cob and hold it. If you run that stop at that at the legal limit. Like two and a half inches or something? It's two and a half, yeah. I believe, yeah. That's a pretty, pretty small loop. Um, so yeah, there's that, and then I think that the traditional set would be with like with an Aldrich-style snare with a thrower on a trail set, catching a bear as it comes down in to the bait. But a lot of people, you know, try to make it easier by um, having the snare in close to the bait because noticing the trail and having the snare exactly where the bear steps is yeah. more difficult. Um, so, uh, and having the bait at the, at the snare, there's issues like people were using um, like a five gallon pail with bait at the bottom yep. and then the snare around the top. The, yep. Sticks in the pail to grab the bait. Now they're, the thought there's is that, well, the links yeah. could he could, could stick do. his head right down in there, and I mean, yeah. I know people personally that have caught bear by the head, Doing and, that, and it yeah. kills them. So it can happen. You can get it's not likely, by the head. but it could. Happen. It can happen. Um, because the hole was the size of you know, it was a five-gallon pail. So yeah. if they do happen to put their head down in there, an animal could catch them, and that could catch incidentals like fish or another animal, especially lynx is a big reason. Yeah, I mean, it's highly unlikely. It is. And before these new laws that we just 
had implemented recently. Um, there was no restriction on putting like a meat-based product down in that hole. Yeah. And now that there's no no animal products is, are allowed. Yeah. Um, below the snare. And then there has to be like a 30 pound weight. Yep. Something covering the top, 30 pounds, uh, not visible from above the 30, 30 pounds covering the, the opening. The opening for the tube where the bait would be in the bottom has to be six inches diameter or less. Okay, and so the, you can't use a bucket anymore. You can if it's modified. There are some guys making them. They're Putting using a cover over them. They're making a five gallon. Well, throughout the cylinder all the way down to the trigger has to be oh, really? built, as far as I know six inches what you do is you put a some guys are making some with a six, six inch, inch PVC, PVC yeah with the lid of the bucket and okay the trigger has to be 12 inches down from the okay where the snare is at the top so basically it's gotten pretty technical it, it has <laughs> but it's kind of like some guy trapping here it's kind of like coyote trapping here yep I have a I actually ended up getting, seeing a picture of one some guy made in northern Maine, and um, it's uh, pretty creative, but I think it'll definitely work, and um, it fits within the new laws, and so people are going to be able to make them if they decide to be creative. They can yeah. work something up, and then now there's um, there's the, uh, the critter done that's going to be gone over. So that's the thing tomorrow, that demo. Yep. Yep. So the critter done is like a $300 trap yeah now. between uh i think suggested retail is i think it's like around 380 wow suggested Jeez. retail wow um and you gotta on pick the, one up for i am picking up one for a friend of mine so yep um, and that is a it's all all metal and it goes directly in the ground it fits within the it's legal to use Basically set it, yep. and you're good. And it has a, if people are familiar with like the 8X12, those bare throwers, it has a very similar snare set up that's on the top of the, top of the tube. So that spring. It has the spring yeah. built onto the, onto the snare that will completely close it as soon as it's yeah. pushed up off of the tube. So basically there's a trigger when the bear reaches down in and pulls up on that trigger it pulls the snare up off the top of the tube and immediately that closes and it's way and up by the bear's basically elbow. he's caught yep yeah. catches him way up high and it's a very he's uh, unlikely you're gonna it's pull it's very out. unlikely you'll lose that bear once it, you get it to reach in and grab on yeah so yeah and right. you can still do the traditional thrower. You can, um, yes, but there are new restrictions of that as well. Um, yeah. The catch circle, I think, can't be longer than uh, it's around seven feet out from the trees, as long as the snare can be with the loop closed. Um, it's like seven. Can't or, have any trees. Seven or eight feet up the tree has to be cleared of limbs. limbs. Yeah. No, yeah, no debris other than um, you know maybe some. Some rotten debris uses blocking. Yeah, is nothing legal. that could cause entanglement. Yes, yep. And then uh, I think uh, a softwood tree also has to be a um, certain diameter at breast height as well. Why is that? Um, because of possibility of the bear, I'm guessing, Ripping possibly it chewing it off. Or, oh, okay. Or, yeah, so you, and it's it's not anything crazy. It doesn't really have a huge to do with the links. I don't, I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, but so it's it it's complex. It is, and it's it can be harder now to find a spot on the bear's trail coming in to blind set for him. 
right? Because with that thrower, that's what you're doing, you're blind setting. Um, you basically have to have your loop and the trigger exactly where that bear is going to step. Yeah. Well, a lot of the time the bear will use the exact same spot when they walk into a bait because they're being cautious. So, and, uh, yeah. so the advantage of the critter done is the bait's there, the bear's going to stick his paw there purposely. Yes. So you don't have to... With bait, so what a lot of guys I think are going to do is they'll have the critter done in the ground. Another thing is the snare has to be at ground level. The okay. snare. So they get to be buried. Yeah. So you have to find a spot where you can dig a hole. Which our woods can be rocky, so you have to find a spot where you can dig a hole to put this thing in the ground. Yeah. Um, I've already dug a couple holes this year at bait sites before we started baiting. So if we decide to put this snare in, we'll be able to. So you put it in the ground at ground level, probably put like a any size drum or even a five gallon pail over the top and then set a large, really 30 pounder, 30 pounds or heavier rock on top. Yeah. Um, the bear's going to have to be yep. pretty motivated. And you could have some holes in that bucket or whatever, get him to smell, and you might want to, you know, start training him by having the, we actually had a, have a PVC in these holes so we can pre-bait them. Okay. Now, can you bait them without the weight on top of the, on top of the trap? Like where the trap would be? You can just... You could, of course, because yeah. you wouldn't have your snare there yet. Right. So you yeah. could do that, or you can... Um, pre-bait it before you put the snare in so with the ones we set up we put a piece of um six inch pvc get in them the used hole. to sticking their hand down right? and if we decide that we're going to snare at that site we can get them used to being around that mm -hmm. and reaching down in and then having the cover over the top will actually probably be good because it'll keep raccoons away from it right yeah keep the coons away um and other animals away from it until the bear gets there to push it over and reach down in. Yeah. So there's a, a bait bag will probably be used down on the trigger, and that helps to get them to catch their claws into that bait bag, and that will be hooked to the trigger. Okay. So that bait bag, that mesh bait bag, yep. will, their hooks will hook into that real good. Yeah. And they don't have to pull up very far for that to okay. slip off the and top. And there you and go, the snares them. on them. Yeah. Yep. Huh. So it, it is interesting. I think it's, it's going to catch quite a few bear this fall. People, yeah. Um, people that invest yeah. that, in, in obviously the investment. It's going to be a challenge for people because we've had so many changes in the last five to ten years, or more, in trapping here in Maine. Where do you want to invest three hundred eighty dollars? And yeah, next year, definitely. I, I mean, I think personally, I think we're probably where we're going to be. But who knows? Next year, there could be a new set of regulations come out and make this trap illegal. Yeah, we keep having um, referendums too come up. Yeah. The public, you know, the public vote on a referendum question goes on the ballot, and uh, it's it's likely that we're going to see one of those again. Well, we will in the future. So um, it's a lot to invest in with bear with bear especially. Especially with with bear trapping, um, that yeah, now bear hounding and trapping is definitely something that is under attack for sure. If you're talking like a TS eighty five or MB five fifty, you know, trap that's popular and can be used in most places in the United States. You can okay, let's put it on yep. eBay. You yep. know, you can sell it. Bear trap. There's not a lot of states that you no, can actually bear, sell that into. I don't even. I'm not sure. Parts where of Alaska. 
In Alaska. Jeez, I don't even know now. I think there's. I it's, think it's on not, state land you can do it. It's not very much though. Yeah, I think even Alaska's. I shouldn't be talking about Alaska because I don't know. But yeah, me too. Same here, but yeah. I I don't think it's um. Canada, there's yep. places you can do it. Yeah, and they're, they're still allowed to use, uh, you know, they don't have to worry about the links, an in incidental links. Yeah, like they, they yeah, those are just bonus. They can do the five-gallon tail set <laughs> with the thrower hook to it and the snare loop on the front of it, right up on the side of a tree in some places. Like yeah. Still, so. yeah. Or you'd be like Andrew Stanley, he can pretty much do what he wants. Yep. <laughs> I like watching his videos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is he still making videos or not? I don't know. I think he went to work for a while. Yeah. But I don't... I don't know if he is still making any or not. I think he still uploads a few. He uploaded some last winter. Yeah. Yeah, he, he slowed down on trapping quite a bit. But he was always fun to watch. So... Uh, for me, I get the stretchers. I'm really not in the market for a whole lot. I needed a dispatch pistol. And it sounds like I'm going to be able to borrow one of those, potentially. So, um, a little bit of extra flake wax to make wax dirt. And some wire. Obviously, wire is always a big thing. Pretty much going to be it. Yep. Yeah, I don't have as much on the list this year. I think part of it is that I've, you know, spent... Two to three hundred dollars here each year the last couple of years, <laughs> and by doing that, I bought you know things that are going to last me for a long time, like the Necker, right. flushing oh, yeah, last no year, doubt. a yeah. flushing beam. Um, you know, I use a I use a Havilon knife with disposable blades for skinning. Yeah, um, and I really like that. So, and let's be honest, we're we're buying a lot of stuff online. That's that's correct. Yeah, I mean it's it's very convenient very convenient and, and these um, companies online are um, definitely different than a lot of companies are the size that they are and they really their shipping is not bad no it's no I, I made that order with cost brothers 20 bucks and I had like four or five hundred dollars worth of stuff over a hundred pounds probably yeah too. oh it was insane <laughs> yeah it was insane because I had cost the, so much to ship that if we were to ship oh, it I had the uh uh, full metal jacket. Yep. I had the, a gallon of KBL quick dyes, gallon of paint, essentially. Yep. I had a dozen MB550s and everything else. I mean, just, I had I had 100 feet of machine link chain. Wow. <laughs> it's just, it's unbelievable. I, I almost was like, man, did I, I don't know if they lost money on that order mm -hmm. or what. Well, yeah, and I mean... But, but they're all the same, you know. All yep, the traveling supply are. companies are twenty to thirty dollars. Yep, they to have ship. that like max out price where if you buy that amount or more, it's just, yep. just set rate. A lot of them have a set rate. If you go over fifty dollars, it goes up a step. Yep. And uh, if you're over two hundred, you're on the max. Yep. You're topped out. Yep. And it and it ends up being um, like if we talk about how far you had to drive to come to the convention. If you look at it, if you just were coming here for supplies, and no, gas, you can do it. It's not going to be no. You can order cheaper now oh and i even thought about you know what else what else could i get here well just throwing it in the jeep the extra gas of hauling it over is not gonna exactly it's not gonna beat a lot of the shipping costs yeah out there so yeah yeah it, it it's uh it's just the way things are going and, and of course our one of our favorite places is not here this year yeah, that was uh that was disappointing to hear when you when you told me that 
Yeah, I called uh, John Epler from Epler Fur Company ahead of time because I wanted him to bring me a dozen MB550s, and he's he's always been here, and he's always been he's always been the cheapest. You know, he's he's got that's kind of been their motto. You know, low prices. And I, I remember I'm usually there sitting at the tent and watching demos, and Cole's running over with his phone and showing me how. Like, man, this is he's got he's got a dozen. Duke 120s for like we need thirty two dollars or something. Like, it was it was just an awesome deal. Yeah, he had really good yeah. prices, and, and we bought a lot of stuff there the last couple of years. Yep. And but, I could respect it when he when he had a price on something that that was. Oh yeah, it was he a good held, place to buy it and yep. pay him what he wanted because we knew it was going to be a fair price. Yeah, it was, and so I called him to get those traps, and he said, uh, "I hate to tell you this, but." I'm not going to Neil's this year. I said, you're not? And, uh, you know, he's getting old. Fur market's down. Uh, everything's kind of slowing down. And they don't have a lot of help. It's just him and the wife driving all the way over here from Pennsylvania, setting things up, and doing work in the booth all weekend. And he just, he was done, I guess. You know, he said, he, you know, if they're thinking about selling the business or or just kind of selling the inventory and, and closing up shop, retiring. Yep. It's hard to hard to see actually with the with something like that because not someone there to take it over and continue it. Yeah, I mean it's hard it's hard for us guys. You know, how old are you? I'll be twenty four. I'll be twenty five oh, by trapping geez. season. Wow, you're yeah. a lot. You're young. You're you're. Uh, yep. I forgot how young you were. I'm thirty five. <laughs> I'll be thirty six by trapping season, and and for us. You know, it, it's like you and me aren't going to be here 20 years from now. I, I don't think this will be here. Oh no, it's, it's uh, that's hard to think about. Cause I'll be here every year that I can be. Right, and I and I oh. will too. But uh, things things are going to change, and I, I think like with the podcast and the website, all that stuff, we're kind of just moving in that direction. And people are going to. Even the people who don't want to are going to be forced to go in that direction. Yep. And that's just kind of where we're at. But, you know, that human interaction, getting to know people and and, uh, and get together and stuff like this, that'll always be there. It's just a matter of where it's going to be and when it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it will be very unfortunate when the day comes and there isn't this, you know, this year, stuff like that. Because it's definitely significant for trappers that yeah. come here to have this every year where they all meet up with everyone again and these a lot of people that uh, meet up and hang out here this is the only time they talk all year yeah you know they, they might oh, send yeah. a couple emails or something or a couple phone calls well, look at us That's with Jerry it. over there yep he's he's like, like, let me see him nope. third but, year in a row just boom it's the only time I've ever talked to him yep this invite weekend. us over to have dinner with him and yep yep but promise me that you're not going to be one of these guys, that, just like the old timers, when the laws changed and you had to, um, with the foothold trapping for coyotes, everything just kind of got flipped yeah, upside definitely. down. They, they just stopped trapping. And, yep. you know, things change, and most people, probably the majority of people, just say, I'm not going to mess, I'm not going to bother changing. I'm too old. Yeah. I'm too, you know, I just don't want to change it. And I'm, I'm done. And they pack things up, they sell the traps, and they move on. 
And like I see how it can even be easier for that to happen when someone's invested in it. Like they run a big line, they have a lot of traps. It's harder for to change over, you know, all your gear. Buy yep. new gear. If all your traps are too big now, there's no way to fix them. You're in a rough spot. Yeah. Or someone like me, it's a lot easier not setting a lot of traps to be able to adjust to it. Right. Oh, no yeah, doubt. I get it. Sometimes. But it's hard. There, but there are guys that were running 100 traps, yep. Martin and Fisher, and the laws change and they're still running oh, 100 traps. Definitely. Oh, they and they've done well. They've, right. They're still getting their limits. Yeah, but yeah. those are probably less than 5% of yep. the overall trapping population. So who did we run into earlier today? Oh, we ran into Eric. Eric Martin. Eric Martin, yep. Ran into him. Jesus, just like it's the middle of the day right now. I know. China. <laughs> it's, it's, it is, like I said, it's going to keep getting brighter as it goes That's up. That's incredible, think, yeah, it really is. Two. I'm not yeah. going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> No, Eric's the guy that put me up for that beaver demo tomorrow. Yep. And uh, we had we had a good talk. And he, he, I like him a lot because we talk, we think along the same lines, a lot of the history stuff. He's definitely interested in that, the books, and interested in trapping history. Yeah, we got to talking about trapping in Alaska, and that was a big, that was a big thing. He's thought about that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I've noticed when you uh, when you talk about the books on the podcast, I think it makes them sell faster on eBay and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you were I, looking for yeah, one, huh? <laughs> yeah, I bought one. I, it was, uh, I think there were four or five of them um, available. Ordered the book, and uh, I went back on later, and I think there was only one last <laughs> I could find on eBay. That was that uh, was the uh, Jimmy Carroll's book. Yep. Yep. Above the Arctic Circle. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, have you read that yet? I am partial, partially the way through. I'm not all the way through it yet. Pretty good, though. Uh, is definitely. Yeah, I would recommend it, especially for the price. You can't beat it. To buy yeah. it, go right on eBay. Wait till a copy comes becomes available. Um, I think I paid four dollars. Did you really get paid that cheap? Four dollars, four fifty shipped. Oh, and the well, you pay it, you pay low for yeah. everything. I know. I, I, I wait and look. But, you know, it said poor condition. <laughs> I think condition. I paid about 12 or $13 yeah. for it. Yeah. The book said poor condition. It showed up. It had, I think, two folded over pages. Other than that, it looked brand new. Nice. So, um, yeah. It, you can definitely, these books, you just have to you have to put your time in the wall. Yeah. And if you, I, I did watch like, for a few days. I waited and tried to grab one of them. I yeah. And for me, like a certain book that I want to read, I'm just going to pay. Yeah. Read it, yeah. If I don't mind waiting, then yeah, yeah, you can get some really good deals. And even thirteen, fourteen dollars isn't bad for no. those books, because you don't hear those stories if you don't buy the book. That's right. So, Absolutely. And uh, to to read about some of the stuff that they went through and was normal to them up there at that time, is <laughs> yeah. incredible. Yeah. Because we would never um, take our one-year-old child with us at negative 40. You got that far? I, You're quite a ways through then. I've been reading some of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, it's pretty amazing. And they, you know, they, fur was a lot of money back then, too. There was a big driver there. Yep. 
for prices, I mean, you could make... They made their living off of it. Right, exactly. It was so... A good portion of it. And and the interesting part about it is that it was their living, and they also really enjoyed it. Yep. I feel like they enjoyed trapping just as much as we do now. Oh, I think... No, they definitely did. Because part of it was they wanted to go for the money, and another part was for the adventure. Yep. And just to be out there. Yep. And he talks about going up to the old Crow Flats to trap for muskrat, I think. Well, he wanted to go see what it was like as much yeah. as he didn't make the money. Yeah. So, because he could have got by just the same staying in town. Oh, so. well, it turned out that way. He would have yeah. done better in town, right? Yep. Because the rat prices dropped before he sold them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was quite an adventure. You notice he didn't go back there every year. Nope. It was a long ways, I think. I think it was pretty rough to get yeah. and to if, do that. If you listen to uh, his son, Richard Carroll did an interview with the Alaska Trappers Association and that's on the ATA website yep um, their oral history interviews and he he talked about uh, all you know trapping around where he grew up trapping and his father and everything and of course his father Jimmy who wrote the book he had a after he settled down him and his wife settled down they had a they had like 12 kids they settled down. He had a trading post in Fort Yukon, and he apparently, according to Richard, his son, he had that trading post or settled down in Fort Yukon for a few years, and then he basically ran out of money. He went back trapping. Yeah. <laughs> he went back out on the trap line to make enough money so he could go back and run the trading post. Yep. So it it was it was definitely a, a big source of income back then. Yeah, and I can I can see how um, people were making a living doing it because you know they didn't have health insurance, most likely, <laughs> things like that. They just you know they oh, the prices can, were unbelievable. the prices were good with inflation. You look at what that those furs were worth to you know today's dollar. It's, it's almost unfathomable. It is, like, and I, under, I understand why people were pushing hard to like do that, it. I, that I Richard it. Nelson book that Eric remember Eric mentioned yep. it today that. Um, Oh, what was uh, Hunters of the Northern Forest? Yep. Uh, Richard K. Nelson and the numbers he quoted there was almost scary. Like yep. there were trappers making like three hundred thousand plus a year. Yeah, I remember when you were talking about that on the podcast. Yeah, just that. insane, yep. insane. And those were the exceptional trappers. Those were like the yeah. you know the Red O'Hearns and the John yeah. Grahams and the, big numbers. The, the Craig O'Gormans. You yeah, know, they were they were the big timers. But still. The average guy can make a hundred grand a year. Yeah. When you those guys, I mean, they they worked hard for that. And one, two in the morning, gone until evening. <laughs> yeah, every day. Yeah. But anyway, that was that. It's a lot of fun to read back on that. It stuff. is, yeah, definitely. And, and if it's Alaska, you know, it's more incentive for me to read it. I think it's. I know what it is. It's the. It's the vast land. Yeah. That's exactly what it comes oh, down to. It, it's so far between roads and people. Yeah. And what and Eric said, he, he kept talking today about, you know, uh, land that no one stepped foot on before. Yeah. You know, and you, you, you're yeah. going to get into that because if you go off over the side of a, a ridge, no one went up over that rock before. Something like that, you know. So. Yeah. I mean, most of Drainages. most of this area, most of this world has been traversed, but yeah. that's pretty much uncharted territory it is um, someone's probably been up drainages but they haven't been up over every little ridge around it so it's pretty interesting to think about it that way 
you could definitely still go trap in a spot where no one's set trap before. You you po very possibly could. Definitely. And even if someone's set traps before, nobody's setting traps there right now. Oh, no. I guarantee you that. No. <laughs> I can't imagine flying. I'd, I'd personally like to just fly over a huge area, that area around, you know, Fort Yukon or anywhere along the Yukon River through there and just to see the long distances between a cutout trail and the winter. Right, absolutely. Yeah, because you could probably see a lot of that. Get a couple boys on golf cart. <laughs> Come <coming> by. by. <laughs> <laughs> they're having a good time tonight. Oh boy, I guess so. Yeah, for yeah. Thursday they're doing pretty good. But yeah, that's that. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be cool. Definitely. I mean, I think it's. The few guys that trap up there on a bush plane, I'd be interested to know about the Marty Marietos. Yeah, I'd be interested to know how many actually do that. Like a solid number. How many guys Charlie fly Jack out? Out. There are some guys definitely that are doing it, but how many are flying out and spending a week or two out? I know a lot of guys are probably pond hopping for links and stuff. The guys wolf trapping or yeah. shooting wolves from the air. Yeah. Some of that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's it, still, I think, federally paid programs for that that move around within the space. Yeah, that, that would be interesting to know, kind of get an idea. I'd like to ask somebody that. They're like, how many, if you were to estimate, how many of you guys are doing that? Yeah. Yeah. I can, you probably could email someone up there and they'd have a decent idea. Yeah. Oh, there's another coyote going. Maybe Tyler. Uh, I was just uh, thinking of Tyler for real. Yeah. He, he, he could probably, he'd have an idea. Yeah, maybe we'll get in touch with them. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we probably ought to wrap this up. We've been going for an hour now. All right. Well, yeah. glad you had me on and uh, looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, I'm excited. It'll be a fun day. So. All right.